This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Morning and welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Use Group Radio Program for Monday, the I believe the twenty first of oh December two thousand and fifteen, and this is our last live program for the year. And I'm um, looking forward to um, a big 2016. So, yeah, welcome to uh, Yarra Bicycle Use Group Radio. We're broadcasting from 3CR 8.55am and digital and on demand and streaming and community radio station in Melbourne. And this is a program about cycling and related transport issues. Thank you to Democracy Now! for the last hour of current affairs. My name's Chris and I hope you've all come through the last couple of days here in Victoria and around Melbourne and outer relatively unscathed it's been pretty brutal with the heat and I hope none of you have done yourself a bit of a mischief riding around and um, not keeping hydrated or not staying out of the sun it's been a really harsh couple of days and uh, yeah it's it's all from um, anecdotal observation everything's come about a month early in terms of the heat and the intensity and the cold changes and the like so I hope you're all doing okay and anyone who, you know, is, is doing it a bit tough at the moment, ah, it goes at you because, uh, yeah, kind of getting a couple of days of, you know, near 40 or over 40 temperatures is pretty intense. So on the uh, show this week, I'll be speaking to Kirby. She's the executive director with the Victorian Law Foundation, and I'll be speaking to her about the recently published Bike Law Guide to Road Laws in Victoria. So that's going to be pretty interesting to speak about because there's been a bit of advice and feedback and stuff from the peanut gallery about, you know, guides and the like and how useful is it for cyclists? What sort of intended um, audiences is this going towards? What um, outcomes, what legacy, what future things we do by enforcing laws? Yeah, there's a few things that um, questions are going to be asked about uh, how we um, utilise shared public spaces and how we can get along. And sometimes just get, uh, sharing a road isn't enough. We need a bit more, or actually a lot more, top-down uh, leadership and, yeah, infrastructure funding. And on that uh, sort of what-the-hell-is-going-on <laughs> approach, there was um, down in Geelong they've got a pretty nasty spike of... Uh, car motor or car and cyclist interactions and it's kind of this thing that always comes out with things it's kind of a call for respect and I've got to ask you know where's where's the call for respect it's uh, people behaving badly you know there's been a 47 percent increase in incidences down there they've had 51 accidents involving cyclists up from 35 from the year before you've got to ask yourself who's who's the person who should be respected here what or should say the person or or the group it's those things that help we get this stuff reported in the media. And I'm just going to quote here at um, the region's road safety inspector and avid cyclist Carl Peters, uh, um, Piers, I should say, 
over the last 12 months, the behaviour of some road users has taken a step backwards. It's disturbing and worrying. And yet we have to look at the number of incidences between bikes and cars in recent weeks in the Geelong area. And that's an obvious reflection on driver behaviour. So the respect thing, well, maybe people are not getting the message of that, you know, riders are legal road traffic. Well, it's a it's pretty basic. We should know that. But um, not a lot of people want to know that. And something that just as I'm going to just say this as my own thing, is riders are seen as some a group that you can get away with and treating with impunity and behaving badly towards, you know, and it's not going to be taken seriously. And it's about time, well, actually it's overdue, that uh, the authorities and the powers that be take these things uh, seriously because I've seen, like, the amount of cycling uh, st- uh, strategies and literature and stuff over the last almost 20 years. There's all these nice things about cycling. But when it comes to the crunch of having real benchmarks and real behaviour changes and real infrastructure, all three levels of government are sadly lacking. I'm sure there are councils that uh, put in good infrastructure and state governments that uh, come out with policy or strategy and occasionally you get something out of the feds. But really, the willpower and the um, overall pitch towards cycling is, um, well, I'm not going to use that language on air this time of the morning, but it's, it, it's pretty insipid in many respects. We get a lot of the um, cycling is wonderful motherhood statements, but not a lot of the pickup when it comes to actually getting real life outcomes. So that's pretty unpleasant to read that sort of thing that's going on down in the Geelong area because it has a huge cycling culture. There's a, a huge history down there of Oh, could go on and on and on about like, the things that happened in the 70s with uh, Victoria's first uh, bicycle plan down there in the 1970s, the rich history down there, wide Geelong. You know, I remember hearing stuff about when we had the um, UCI road champs down there and there was instances happening down there and just some pretty appalling behaviour. So uh, something needs to, you know something needs to happen and it needs to happen from above going to the people who are actually getting on the receiving end of the behavior is the wrong end of it as far as i'm concerned anyway happier stuff new data should could help policymakers boost cycling sustainable transport now this came out of the journal of transport and health and this is one of those studies where you go ah maybe it was a handful no 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 researchers did uh, looked at data from 1.25 Billion households in the first global studying of bicycle ownership from over time, and it revealed the patterns of ownership in four groups of companies. Although or countries, although ownership has increased in some countries and plateaued in others, it is decreasing in some and showing that cycling is not yet proving to be a widespread um, form of sustainable transport solution. So, according to this survey, 42% of households were worldwide own at least one bicycle, adding up to a at least an estimated uh, 580 million bicycles owned privately worldwide. Generally, bicycle ownership is the highest in Northern Europe and the lowest in parts of Africa and Central Asia. And the uh, no um, surprises here that the number of bicycles is highest in India and China, which account for a quarter of the world's household population, having a big effect on the global average. And the most dramatic changes in ownership are seen in China, where almost all households, more than 97%, owned a bicycle in 1992. And invariably, this has plummeted to less than half, just to uh, uh, 48.7% in 2007, and rising again 
to 62.2 in 2009. Okay, I'm being boring and being nerdish and going through data, but this is a really good report to go through if you're really interested in pulling out those figures about what's actually happening worldwide on cycling for transport. So this is kind of a similar theme to my early rant from about two minutes ago. It opens with it's time to get us on our bikes if you want cycling to make an impact as a form of sustainable transport. The, the actual authors of the study, here we go to John Hopkins University in USA. So they're, they're saying that their analysis could give Policymakers are good examples of ownership where it is highest, helping them to boost cycling as a sustainable form of transport. So I've just repeated that. But anyway, I'll put those links in the podcast. Um, I think it's a really good uh, thing to go and have a look. It's 42% of um, households worldwide. Give you pause for think there. Anyway, I'm going to take a break and I'll be back with an interview with Joe from the Victorian Law Foundation. eFocus is a community-based not-for-profit organisation that delivers training, employment assistance and community development projects. Commencing in the new year, eFocus will deliver new qualifications in aged care, disability, home and community care and community services. If you are currently working in the community sector, need to upskill or are looking for a career change in aged care, disability, home and community care or community services, contact eFocus on 9450-5700 for upcoming information sessions. E-Focus is a 3CR supporter. I know you'll be there, I know you'll be there when I call. you're back listening to Yarra Bicycle News Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR 855 AM and digital. And on the line today, I have Joe Kirby from the Victorian Law Foundation. Are you there, Joe? Yes, I am. Hi. I suppose you recognise that um, opening um, track there? I did, actually. I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness, that's our video. <laughs> yeah, that's a really great little video, actually. It's just the real basics about riding around in the city. Yeah, and look, it's done by one of our staff members, Ali Forward, who did it all on their own time. So, you know, it shows a bit of passion that we bring to our publication bike law that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, because um, there's a few things in there even I forget about. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, about uh, you know, making sure that, you know, things are kind of set and ready on the bike. Like, you know, simple things like checking the PSI sometimes or the tyre pressure. Yeah, exactly. Look, I think sometimes the basics is what we forget or it's easy to forget or, or sometimes we don't even know so when we produced our publication bike law we thought you know it is a publication mostly on the road rules but there are some basics that's going to make everyone safer on the road things like you know making sure you've got a helmet which is pretty obvious but the requirement to have a light and a reflector if you're riding at night all, all those kind of things that sometimes you know you might get caught short of but it's good sometimes just to turn your mind to mm. And I think that video actually really points out some of the hazards you have on the road too. So just things to keep aware of and the importance of being aware when you're out. I just thought, I just found it a really good kind of like uh, real life example because there's stuff there you go, I just take that for granted sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. and it's because I think cycling is a, you know, it's a physical momentum based activity and yeah. you've, got a lot in, you've got a lot in play when you're actually out there riding and invariably I think motorists tend to forget that they can just like, you know, they've got a powered form of 
transport yeah. and they don't, you know, I'm not trying to be rude to motorists, but sometimes you don't have to do a lot of more thinking than a cyclist does. It's oh, a, yeah. an automatic thing, you know, you can put your foot down or turn the, you know, the wheel. Exactly. Well, I mean, look, if you're on a bike, you are a vulnerable road user and, you know, everything you do counts. So I think that comes across in the video. Yeah. So a bit about the actual um, bike law guide. Yeah. With the stakeholders, um, what's what was your kind of background for looking at the stakeholders and the feedback that was gathered? Well, look, when we, well, we produce a lot of publications on, like, common legal issues and we always like to work with stakeholders because we bring our expertise in the law, mm. but... We're not bike experts, although there's lots of people in our office that ride bikes. And so it's important for us to work with partners who kind of cover the field of different issues. So we looked at the major bike groups. Vic Roads obviously have carriage of the laws. And then we looked at um, councils where there's a high population of people riding bikes, like City of Melbourne and City of Yarra have a real bike program. And, of course, you know, the bike groups we worked with, the Amy Gillett Foundation, Bicycle Network and Cycling Victoria. So we tried to get that range of views around the table and then talk to them about what their views were on what are the kind of road rules that people don't understand, what what are the road rules that we need to emphasise to make people safer, like hook turns, for example. Lots of people don't realise that you can do a hook turn at just about any intersection unless it tells you you can't. And a hook turn is a great way of keeping people safer on the road. So it was kind of looking, you know, we wanted to put the law clearly, state the law clearly, but also think about the things we should be emphasising and the things people don't understand. Mm. So like the intent and the audience for the guide, you know, um, are you looking at a more of a generalist approach in, instead of, you know, um, you know, smart Alex like me who think they know everything? <laughs> well, we wanted something that could be used. Look, it is primarily for bike. Like we, we always have one primary audience and it was bike riders in this case, but that doesn't mean it can't be used by pedestrians or road users, but we always find it's better to focus on one user. But then we try to cover, provide the information in a really clear and concise way. So it's useful for all users, whether you're getting on a bike for the first time, you're taking your kids out on the footpath, or whether you're someone who's riding up Beach Road on the weekend. There's stuff in here that, you know, everyone who, does, who gets on a bike, um, it's in your interest to know and you probably should know. Yeah, so what's your take on like um, this guide being useful uh, when when you come to the media and you would possibly, you know, you, you know, know this, that the narrative in the media is sometimes really quite naive and against riders. Do you think, think the guide would be positive there in helping kind of dispel some of the, you know, more um, outlandish claims you get about, you know, cyclists are responsible for everything? Yeah, of course. I mean, look, one of the reasons we started this guide is we thought there was a lot of misinformation about people's responsibilities on the road and what the road rules were, and that that was causing quite a lot of conflict, whether you were on a bike, in a car or a pedestrian, or, or even in the media, and that actually finding out what the rules were was really difficult. And so that we thought, well, look, let's make sure it's easier for everyone to get the right information, and maybe then we can reduce some of the conflict that goes on on the roads and actually causes, you know, quite a lot of problems. So, yeah, I think this is 
you know, if you want to know about the laws to do with bikes, this is the definitive guide, as we say. Yeah, I could think you could do a bit of a mass mail out to a couple of media outlets and a bit of a um, weekend study group for them, I think, or a um, book club to kind of actually pick up a few things here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have been circulating it, actually. Yeah, really yeah, pleased. Yeah. We've got um, 70,000 copies on its way out now. So. Yeah, it's part of my media law sort of training to go for the topic and not the individual, and I'm just trying yeah. to really be quite cagey there. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, I just there was a couple of questions I've got asked though. Um, yeah. why, why does seemingly emphasis there's an emphasis upon riders getting insurance? Is that just a um, a suggestion or is it a, an intent? For, from our perspective, yeah, yeah, I was just really curious about that. Well, look, we're just trying to cover the field and questions that people might have. Yeah. And insurance is one of the things, you know, working with our reference group that kind of came up to explain to people the position on insurance. Mm. Some people might not know you can get insurance for your bike. I mean, obviously, if you're a member of one of the larger cycling groups, you probably do because, you know, those groups offer that type of insurance. But you might not realise that you can get it and that you can protect your bike if it's stolen or if you're in an accident. So it's really not about pushing whether you should have it or not have it, but just the fact that it does exist. Mm. And um, clarification of, like, you know, what is covered under TAC and what isn't. Yeah. 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 Which, you know, is interesting because I was just, you know, looking at it and thinking, oh, I didn't realise that you'd be covered if you were going to and from work, for example. Mm. Do you know? So there's some... um, you know, with TAC, you've got to hit a moving vehicle, although if you hit an open door or a door that's opening, you're covered. So there's a few technicalities. And also, I think if you're a cyclist and you don't realise that you might be covered by TAC, one of the requirements is that you have to report it to the police. So that's a really good thing to know. Otherwise, you might miss your opportunity to get some cover under that scheme. Yeah, because there's uh, something we covered on the show a few times over the years is the, is the dramatic underreporting. Yeah, 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 and and look, that's an issue for lots of reasons, but if you are injured and you're in an accident with a car, then, you know, it's great to have the support of the scheme like TAC. It is meant for cyclists, but if you don't know to report it, you're actually going to reduce your opportunities there. Yeah, so one thing I've got to clarify in this, it's really great to see cargo bikes included. Yes. But I didn't know about not being able to use a trail on a footpath. Now, can you clarify, you know, this is a dry point of law, but if there's a child in the trailer, is it the same for a child on a child's seat? You know, it's kind of like sometimes you have to mix it there a bit when you've got small children or you are using a trailer. Um, just, just curious about that one. Would it be like if the adult is walking or, you know, it's just really curious to pull that one out. I think, you know, I suppose footpaths are, I think that's probably more about protecting pedestrians. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I don't know the kind of specifics about why the decision was made, but I suppose if a footpath's narrow and you've got, you know, lots of bikes on it. But, yeah, I see your point. Yeah, because I know a lot of people who have like a Backfits or a Christiana-style bike and they have kids in the front. Mm. And there are invariably are times where you are on the footpath, but you are riding at a pretty, you know, moderate pace. You're not going, you know, you're not riding at um, you know, <laughs> a bunch speed. speed. Yeah, light yeah. speed. And, yeah, and a lot of mums and dads and caregivers, you know, ride with their kids to get to school or, you know, whatever. Mm. And, yeah, I just thought that one was a little bit curious. Um, maybe it's something for a future kind of something to have Review. a look at. Yeah, yeah well, look, Rick, are undertaking a review of all the rules relating to uh, bike law and 
Uh, I can't say specifically if that's something that they're looking at, but we can give them that feedback. Mm. So you see an opportunity as a guide to open a wider dialogue about what you know, riders want um, because we have a little bit of, well, actually it's not little, it's actual, actually a quite perceived gap and there's a lot more people riding, but the decision makers are kind of, you know, probably two, three years behind what's actually happening. So can you can, see, can you see, you know, I mean, I'm going outside the terms of refereeing for what you're doing, but can you see this kind of like opening up a broader dialogue? Well, look, I think, you know, our experience from undertaking the publication was that there is quite a lot probably going behind the scenes, looking at what riders want. You know, Vic Roads did a big survey of riders, asking them about the road rules, what they understood and what they want to change. And that is going through the whole process of legislative, looking at what should change in the legislation and how the rules should change. So I think mm. the the discussion, it's really positive. I think, obviously, bike riding and safety on the roads is a really complex issue. Some mm. of it's the law, some of it's changing infrastructure to cha- make it... Um, much safer so there's a whole range of things that have to be taken into a play and unfortunately I think by their very nature they do move slowly but my sense from uh, working with the reference group is there's a lot of positive goodwill to make that happen. Yeah because you are are working across a lot of different agencies you know in terms of um, fed, state, local government and The act of riding a bike is very quite is quite simple. It's the interplay between that and everybody else. Yeah, which um, I think the guide helps to dispel. But um, again, can I just you know, if you, what sort of feedback have you had so far on the guide? You know, you you've said here you've got you know you're mailing out seventy thousand. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's been good. I mean, look, I think like you've touched on. You know, we're we're stating what the law actually is, mm. but there's a lot of people who don't like the law. So, well, that's, <laughs> or, yeah. I think the law should change. And, I, you know, it's not that I don't have sympathy for those people, but our role was really just to provide a factual but easy to understand outline of what the law is, and, mm. and we will update those as they go along. So yeah. really positive, but, of course, we see the frustration of bike riders and road users to some of the rules, and there are some confusing rules. I think, you know, things like roundabouts are particularly confusing, and I actually live near a big roundabout and watch all the bike riders go around it, and, you know, I don't think the bike riders or the car um, drivers, they, they take a much more defensive role than enforcing the road rules because there's a lot of confusion about what the rules are around roundabouts. So, yeah. look, you know, it's, it's complicated. Yeah, because, um, you know, the thing is with riding, what we wanted to see is a broader uptake of like, it's not just cycling for recreational and riding fast. Mm. It's the um, riding for transport, the the simple yeah. A to B stuff. Uh, you know, the stuff in this, which is actually quite positive, if people really don't know those basic stuff, because just again, you know, anecdata is um, <laughs> when I people, like that. yeah, I, I like, it's a good term, it's anecdata, yeah, it is. Um, is people get on a bike and sometimes they just forget everything and I don't mean that as an punitive thing it's just like well I'm not in a car so none of that applies to me anymore yeah, yeah and, I think that's right and I think more, it's more the common sentiment of like stopping behind a tram yeah not using a mobile phone yeah because yeah, you don't want a car driver to use it because then, then they're distracted yeah, and look, I mean, you know, if you're using a mobile phone, you've got to have two handles on. You know, you really, yeah. like we talked about before in the video, it just emphasised how you've got to have your A game when you're on a bike because you yeah. are a vulnerable bike user. So if you're getting involved in distractions, it does make it really difficult. I'd really like to see something like an interpretive law thing to towards motorists of, 
what what did you think that cyclists should be doing if you didn't think they were supposed to be there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if there is a... You know, there is an argument that when you're learning to drive, it'd be good to find out what the bike rules are because, you know, some I'm not sure you really cover those when you're in a car. Yeah. So understanding what the limitations and kind of rights of riders are would be good too when you're riding on a well, bike. Well, here's a, here's, a, here's, a, here's a spark, here's a seed for you. Getting, <laughs> getting more um, uh, kind of like active listening or more questions about pedestrians and, and bicycle riders in the driver's learner's licence. Yeah, exactly. We've gone completely outside the terms of reference I, for the I bike know, I know, right, totally, but, <laughs> but let's think big here. Let, yeah. Let's think how we can make things because we're, we're, we're interested. But exactly, yeah. let, let's see how we can, even if you're not a bike user, but to make it safer for everyone. And I think, you know, bike riders are vulnerable and it's important that people understand um, whether you're on a bike or not, mm. you know, the reason they're vulnerable is often not because of other bike. It's other road users because they're bigger than them probably. So yeah. one thing I also, you know, I think there's a talking about people not understanding the rules. You know, if you're an international visitor and or you're a, new to the country, you know, and, and maybe that's your only form of transport, at least you can find out what the road rules to are with this, which I think is important. I know when I've travelled overseas and ridden bikes, I've always... You know, I would have loved a guide that told me what the road rules were. Oh, it's like um, you're on the right. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that from people of like, you know, if you're overseas and riding and you're not sure, seek company. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like seek company. But I see this kind of like looking at kind of just spelling well, well-intentioned naivety from either side of the – if you're on a saddle or on a passenger or driver's yeah. seat. So, yeah, so, exactly. So how can people get hold of the actual guide? Uh, we, you can go to our website at bikelaw.org.au and you can also watch the video that we talked about earlier there. Uh, you can order a hard copy. You can have a look at it um, electronically as well. So it's really easy to get hold of. And uh, what's kind of like future legacy? Are you going to be have roll out more stuff on this or...? Uh, yeah, look, we're looking, this is the first stage of our campaign and we're looking to get it out more bright, more broadly. You, you will see it around bike shops. Obviously, you've been working with all those bike organisations. So looking at things like more videos. So if you watch the video, you'll see it's part one. So we'll be doing some more videos on the basic road rules just to try and make it a little bit easier for people to get stuff. There's yeah. a quiz as well. So there's a few things going on just to make it more interesting. We see that the guide is a reference tool and then we want to make some things that kind of keep people engaged. So yeah, I like, yeah, this I like, is the beginning. I like I like videos with arrows. Kind of like right there, that thing. That's the bit you should. Yeah. So you. I particularly like the moving arrows. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm very I'm very didactic. I like stuff like that. Oh yeah, I get it now. So it's bikelaw.org.au. So it's bikelaw all one word .org.au. Go to. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for making time today. And thank you very much. It was really good. And and happy riding and happy Christmas. Oh yeah, and hope Santa brings everyone a new bike or new bike components. Yeah, and a helmet. <laughs> and a helmet. Okay, well, yeah, and it's been it's been great today, Joe. And um, we'll probably catch up at some point in the future. Yeah, great. Thanks very much. Okay, bye. Bye. In the Arts Express summer season, Valerie Fafala and Trish Posterino are running four special programs on Australian women in jazz. First of all, we'll hear from jazz drummer and organizer of the Melbourne Women in Jazz Festival, Sonia Horbelt. Then contemporary violinist Zani Kolak, sax player Angela Davis, pianist and composer Andrea Keller, and stunning jazz vocalist Bridget Allen. They'll be performing their music for our listeners either live in the 3CR studio or with their CDs. 
We'll also look at the history and experiences of jazz women in the traditionally male arena of jazz in Melbourne, how they became heard in the competitive field, working alongside other male and female musicians for the love of jazz. Our special dates for Australian women in jazz are Thursday, December the 17th, Thursday, January the 7th, 21st and 28th of 2016 at 10.30am till 11am on Thursday, so don't forget to tune in. We'll resume Arts Express in February 2016. Charlie Parker on alto, Miles Davis on trumpet, Tommy Potter on bass, and the great Max Roach on drums. To start things jumping without wasting too much time, the bird, grooving high. And you're back listening to Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio and Community Radio 3CR 855 M Digital. And this time I actually got something queued up to play properly without a dead space. Isn't that lovely? Well, what was I playing some Charlie Parker? Well, coming up over the next uh, month or so, I'm going to have a summer special on Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio. And there'll be a fair bit of Charlie Parker involved. And I'll be speaking with Sarah M from Sydney and her Velo Aporte uh uh, project she's working on so she'll be doing a whole series of bike tips and riding with kids and e-bikes and so over the next four weeks um we're still going to be here but you know virtually in, in the in the magic uh, you know radio thing when we've pre-recorded something so yeah we're still going to be here so look forward to that anyway look forward to uh, bike rave coming up in february the 13th that's, yeah, it's next year already. So bike raves, that's going to be down at Burong Ma. It's a couple of years that's been running. It's the most fun you can have on two wheels. It put together a really good mix for that. And you're seriously, if you've um, never ridden around uh, without your own little little party on wheels, this is something really to get into. So look up Bike Rave Melbourne 2016, either on Facebook or Twitter or all the usual social media channels. So thank you for this year. It's been fabulous. 2015 is going to go down as a pretty interesting year I think when a few things changed but we didn't quite realise it at the time so on behalf of myself Chris and Steve and Val and Faith see you rubber side down in 2016 You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.